Yeah, the radio is on, but the signal is weak. We both know the song way down deep. Hello, and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of filmpulse.net. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 164. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Mr. Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Good, good. Oh, this yeah. week, This week, we're going to be talking about the 2015 Tribeca Film Festival, devoting the entire episode to covering uh, the festival. It ends today as we're recording. We're also going to be talking about some movie predictions, new on video on demand, DVD and Blu-ray releases, Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast.filmpulse.net and be sure to check out our Patreon site at patreon.com slash filmpulse and consider subscribing for as little as $1 per month. Let's go ahead and just, we're going to dive right in. How's that? Oh, oh boy. Have you seen that Joker picture, by the way? The Leto picture? Is I, did see, I, I did see the Joker picture. What are, your, what are your brief thoughts on that? I don't, like, I'll wait to see the movie, but... Just one thing is the tattoos are a bit ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like, how many ha-ha-ha tattoos does he have? I just... <laughs> it was, I, I it's like, know. oh, let's let's put all of his catchphrases as tattoos and anything that, you know, says that he's the Joker. But then they ran out and they were just like, oh, let's just tattoo ha-ha-ha a bunch of times on him. And that damaged was, on his forehead. Yeah. yeah. There's a There's a tweet. I don't remember who... Uh, sent it out, but somebody said, which stage is the Joker playing at at this year's Warp Tour? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. Of course, I'm going to hold any kind of opinions for actually seeing him in action. Yeah, obviously. But I don't know. I don't, and I just this whole like new trend of like jumping on Twitter to to give like little teasers and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean this Deadpool shit is getting out of hand. <laughs> the the teasers that have been dropped for Deadpool have been pretty pretty ridiculous all over Twitter. I was just it's it's starting to seem like they put much more thought into those dropping those little teasers than they do like the actual film itself. Sometimes it feels that way. So let's talk about Tribeca. Uh, this is the I don't. I don't know how long. I think Tribeca's been going since 2002. Sure. Sounds good. Runs from the 15th through the 26th in New York City. A uh, ton of movies screening there this year. I saw 28, which is more than I usually see at a festival. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. I've been really packing them in. I've I've reviewed a lot of what I've seen. I haven't reviewed everything that I've seen, and... I'm going to try to write a few more reviews, but uh, you can see we have a lot of coverage. And uh, what I'll do is I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, a page that has all of our reviews. And we've we've been reporting on a lot of the movies that got picked up, like A24 picked up a couple movies. I did, I did like that the movies getting picked up are the ones that I don't see anyone talking about. Which I think is odd. Yeah, so A24 <laughs> picked up the Adderall Diaries, which is the James Franco one. Which I have like I haven't heard anything from anyone about that movie. I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't even know that it was playing there until I saw A24 picked it up. 
Maybe maybe one of the reasons is because there was only one press screening and it was at like nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign. Yeah, because it was originally on my list, and then the morning that I was going to go see it, I was like, ah, no, I'm too tired. <laughs> so that got picked up by A24, and uh, they also, what else did they, the same day they announced something else that they picked up. It was, uh, oh, Mojave, uh, which I also didn't see. <laughs> didn't Man Up get picked up, too, or was that already picked up? Man Up, no, it, it did get picked up um, by somebody saban films didn't really hear anyone talking about that and I what did, i did hear him talking about it was not good apparently i did see that one and uh, i did not like it i mean it's your typical romantic comedy there's nothing different about it maybe the only thing that's slightly different that kind of sets it apart is the dialogue it's very fast yeah you know it's a it's like that uh, aaron sorkin style like super fast dialogue. Yeah. All right. You know, Simon Pegg and and uh, Lake Bell are very good comedic actors. I like them, but this movie just didn't. It really didn't do it for me. The the whole hook, you know, if you've seen the trailer, if, if you know anything about this movie, is that she ends up kind of intercepting a blind date with Simon Pegg, and she kind of pretends to be this other girl, and then you know, funny things happen. But they kind of throw away the whole hook very early on, which I was actually glad that they did that because I thought the whole movie was going to be her going through this kind of elaborate scheme to try to hide who she really was. And then Simon Pegg was going to find out and then leave and then realize that he loves her anyway and then come back. It's not exactly how it plays out, but it's pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah that, so that, that one does not it does not interest me. No, no. I I that one, nah. That's going to get I guarantee VOD. That's going to be a VOD release. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like one. I can guarantee that. It's R rated too, so there's uh there's some, you know, uh Do they drop some foul F-bombs? language? Yeah, there's some foul language in there. Right. Very light. I'd say it's probably light R rating though. The Orchard picked up Steve Hooper's documentary Crocodile Gennady, which I also saw this. This, this is probably is, one of the, one of the best documentaries I saw at the festival. This is and one I, that I'm interested in. And I did see I saw a number of good documentaries. So this one is about this this guy in Ukraine that started up he he's a pastor and he started up this uh I guess a rescue mission sort of or a, a not a rescue mission, a, a rehab center and he basically takes kids off the streets drug addicted kids and cleans them up and gives them a place to live and uh very very powerful documentary and uh that yeah that was like definitely one of my favorites atticus ross does the score which is really good oh boy i didn't even know that yeah i was already excited for it yeah yeah it looks gorgeous It, it has a very filmic look to it where it parts of it look like it's an actual narrative film the way that they shoot shoot it executive produced by terrence malick so that's certainly one to keep an eye out for maybe i'll just go through since i'm on a talking about docs maybe i'll just quickly hit hit us up with the docs so i saw probably the best one i saw there was the wolf pack i haven't heard of this one what is this one about you know what this is (laughs) 
<laughs> this has been fucking everywhere. It's really good. It's, I want to see it. Believe the hype. It's it's really good. I liked it a lot. I noticed on Letterbox that it it's not getting, you know, it's getting kind of mixed things on Letterbox. Some people are giving it threes. Some people are giving it, you know, fives. Wait, um, what did you give it? What did you? I give? I gave it a four and a half on Letterbox. They gave it a nine in my review. All right. Well, sell me on it. I mean, I already want to see it, but sell me on it. Get so, if you're not familiar with this story, it's basically about, it's a documentary about uh, six siblings who live in a very small apartment on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and they've lived their entire lives inside this apartment. They're never allowed outside, and they're allowed out maybe once a year, and for it's for like a very brief amount of time, but for the majority of their lives, they lived it inside this apartment which is crazy in and of itself uh what happens is one of the brothers they're all brothers six brothers right one of the brothers decides that he's gonna escape so he leaves one day and sort of goes out into the world and and experiences the world and after he he got a little taste of the outside world he wanted to do it more and more, and then eventually his other brothers decided that they, they're going to go out with him. And before you know it, they're just out exploring the world. Like, they go to their first movie, and it was, like, such an experience for them to go to a movie because the other thing about this film, this documentary is that they're obsessed with movies. They're, like, completely and utterly obsessed with film. And they what they do to pass the time in their cramped little apartment is that they recreate scenes from movies like they'll recreate the dark Knight or pulp fiction or reservoir dogs. They love Tarantino and um, it's crazy. They'll transcribe an entire movie. Like they'll watch a movie and then like pause it and write down all the dialogue. And they'll basically transcribe a script for the, for the movie and then they'll memorize it and then they'll create costumes for the movie, very elaborate costumes made out of like cereal boxes and things that look really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll recreate these scenes from movies just for fun. But it's they're, they're so good at it. And that was kind of the other thing that, that I found really interesting was how intelligent and well-rounded and articulate these these guys were. Because you'd think that they'd be kind of weird, and, and they're a little bit weird, but they're they're very, they seem very intelligent, which is uh, kind of astonishing considering they never went to school or anything. They were homeschooled. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, that one I highly can't... highly recommend. It sounds it sounds extremely interesting. Yeah, and just the 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 fact that somehow they were able to get this get this father of theirs this this abusive father to let this filmmaker you know this this female filmmaker into their home and sort of have unbridled access to these kids and just film them i thought that was uh really something else and it kind of transitions me into another film that i was surprised at the amount of access and that's um it's one called Toto and His Sisters. Actually, a lot of the documentaries, now that I'm looking at the list, had crazy amounts of access to different subjects. Uh, Toto and His Sisters is a story about three kids 
uh, living in Romania, I believe. And their mom goes to prison for, for drugs. And the oldest sister, who's, I believe, 17, she falls into drugs, too. And basically, they're living in a drug den. And it's up to Toto, who's 10, and uh, Andrea, who's 14, to basically raise themselves. And it... Ooh, this one is really... Hello. This one's really tough, but it was really good. It sounds it sounds extremely depressing. It's, it is, but it isn't. It's, it's depressing, but at the same time, it is somewhat uplifting in that... His older sister, the the middle sister who's 14, she kind of, she knows that she wants a better life for her and her brother. And she ends up running away with him and they go to an orphanage and the orphanage kind of educates them because they never went to school or anything. They didn't know how to read or write or yeah. anything. And uh, she kind of makes sure that they get the things that they need, like food and and education. So it is somewhat uplifting. I'm not going to say where it goes because it does go to some really crazy places uh, and it's worth seeing just to see the, the kind of path that it takes because it follows them for a year and a lot changes for them in a year. But yeah, Toto and his sisters is the name of that. I saw Terror. I feel like this one was getting a decent amount of buzz. I, I don't remember what... Terror. Yeah, called Terror. Terror. I don't remember where this premiered. I think it might have premiered at TIFF. Okay. I don't think, I, I don't think I've heard of Terror. It's a, so it's this really interesting documentary about an FBI informant who gets an assignment and he allows a documentary crew to follow him while he goes on a basically top secret assignment for the FBI. It seems like that shouldn't be yeah, allowed. Extremely dangerous. <laughs> So his job as an FBI informant is to seek out and basically squeal on domestic terrorists, people within our country that are suspected of, of terrorist activity. And he, so he gets this assignment. He starts following this guy, trying to become friends with him, doing all this stuff. And he allows a documentary crew to follow him and kind of basically document this whole thing. It's crazy, but it gets even crazier than that because get this, the documentary crew approaches the guy that's su suspected of being a terrorist and they start following that person too in secret. What? So yeah, so they don't tell this FBI informant guy that they're about to follow and interview the person that he's following and staking out for the <laughs> for the FBI. So they, they start interviewing this the guy that is suspected of being a terrorist as well. It almost sounds like it's not... It does, yeah, it doesn't even sound real, does it? It sounds like that's staged a little bit. It's not, and it... Oh, how do you know it's not? Because it's George. less ridiculous... It's less ridiculous when you actually see it in the movie. It sounds utterly, you know, farcical, but... It's really not when you see it. Because what happens is... Well, I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I don't, nah, nah. Yeah, don't want to give it away, but... Keep your mouth shut. 
definitely check that one out too. Goes to some very interesting places. The other one I saw is called In Transit. This is one that you, eh, I don't know if you'd be interested in this one or not. It's by, um, uh, what's his name? Albert, uh, very famous director. Oh, the... I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. He, he died, uh, I believe, making this film. Or maybe very shortly after. Mm. It's, his last, it's his last film. Basically, it's about a train ride. It's just uh, conversations on a train. Okay. And it's so there's the this train route called the the Empire Builder, and basically the route runs from Chicago to Seattle. Okay. And it's the the Amer- it's America's busiest long distance train route. And the film just looks at this route from beginning to end and interviews people that are taking the route. That's that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's yep. That's so that's it, all it is. So. Kind of sounds like one of those anthropological documentaries yeah. where you're just kind of just documenting the people yeah. and the places. It's uh, a little bit more involved than uh, what was the one Manica Mana or Monica Mana. Yeah, that's the, yeah, the one with it, the uh, the cable car. It's more involved than that because with Monica Mana, it's simply a camera yeah. fixed. You know, this actually there there's interaction and it's interesting to see how candid the these people are when put in front of a camera just like like a lot of them say things that they probably wouldn't tell even the their closest friends or family you know that it's i think it's like a therapeutic thing yeah cameras have a way of doing that for some reason it's interesting yeah it's interesting to see that i was i don't know it, it it was a little bit it got a little bit uh it's kind of slow towards the end. I was I was getting a little even even was, at seventy six minutes. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt very long. It felt very long. Gotcha. But I still liked it quite a bit. I, I think that it was uh, an interesting kind of experiment, and it looked really good for the most part too. So I think that's all of the. Oh, I saw the National Lampoon documentary. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Dr- drunk, drunk, stone, brilliant, dead. I'm a huge fan of the National Lampoon, so I was really interested in this because I didn't know a whole lot about the magazine. Do they do they uh, do they delve into the the shit run of movies? No, they, oh, they don't. They don't. They, and they, they keep that. Out no, they don't for good reason. They don't. And I pointed I pointed out the fact that they don't point that out. And the the Scott Rudin, the former editor of the National Lampoon got on my case about it in the comments section of that review. And he seemed to think that I was attacking the brand, like the National Lampoon brand. Yeah. But I am i wasn't. I love the National Lampoon. But I feel like, because what he was saying was, oh, well, you're attacking the, the, the 90s National Lampoon. And he's like, oh, they did, they, they rebranded and they did all these great things and they, got nominated for a webby award and all this stuff and they launched the new website and it's like okay well that's fine but i didn't know that and does the documentary discuss that the documentary doesn't talk about that whatsoever so how am i to know that they did this relaunch of a website and all this stuff you know it's it's not 
It's my job to talk about the movie well, that I saw. Yeah, and, well, it's, uh, and, well, it's just kind of odd that they seem to be so excited about that rebranding relaunch, but yet it's not discussed. Yeah, exactly. Why would you not discuss that? And why would you not discuss the complete shit show that their and, films were for the 90s? Exactly. And and one may argue that, oh, this is supposed to be about the early days and, and stuff, but... I feel like if you're going to talk about it, you got to you got to go for the whole package. You know, it's seemed to focus. The the movie tries to focus on the magazine. That's really where it tries to keep its focus. But if you're talking about the National Lampoon, you can't not talk about the movies. And if you talk about National Lampoon's Vacation and Animal House, you got to talk about the other ones, too. It's like. It's a package deal, you know? You gotta do it. You gotta talk about it. And I was a little I was a little disappointed. I still like the movie, and I still recommend the movie because it's still interesting to see where, you know, Gilda Radner got her start, and John Belushi, and Chevy Chase, and Bill Murray, and all these great comedians, they all got their start at the National Lampoon. So that's, it's really cool, but I just feel like there are pieces missing out of that story. Gotcha. So kind of, kind of be, kind of being selective. Maybe, or maybe just not thorough enough. They, cause they kind of, the, the film ends right <laughs> when the magazine starts getting shitty and the movies start getting shitty. So they, and they do comment on it. They comment on kind of where it goes and the downfall, but they don't get into it at all. They mention it, but they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's like a, and I get it. <laughs> I, I understand I understand not wanting to end on a down note and not wanting to talk about the the crappy things that did that did happen to the brand, but you know th- that's what happened. That's that's how most people perceive the National Lampoon as this really cool thing that got crappy, and and even if they won fifty million Webbies, most people don't know of that. No, I didn't. I don't even know what a Webby. Did you did you know know that they relaunched a website? I don't even know what a Webby is. It's like an award. It's a. It's basically an award for websites. Okay, that's what I figured. I forgot to mention the the only other one uh, documentary that I saw is called The Birth of Saki, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's it follows one sake brewery from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. And it follows this crew of workers from beginning to end of uh, sake bottling, which is interesting. It takes, I think they said it takes six months. So you're gone and you live at the brewery because it's like a 24 seven job. So you're gone for six months out of the year working. Wow. Yeah, it's, that sounds, it's crazy. That sounds very interesting. I mean, it, yeah, it, for the most part, it sounds like a like one of those. What, uh, what's that show where it's like how things are made? It's yeah, but it's much. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Than that. I'm sure it's I more would, cinematic than. Yeah, I would compare it. It's like the most boring thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Yeah, this this is more Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It's it's a very good companion piece to that. Okay, because it it has the same feel where everything looks very elegant. There's a lot of slow motion in this movie that uh, of things. It's uh, very stylish. It's a great-looking documentary, visually. It looks awesome. 
And this is one of the only traditional sake breweries left in the country where they basically do everything by hand, like the old-fashioned way. They don't use machines to make it. Uh, so, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Even if you're not, I don't like sake. I'm not a sake guy. Do you like sake? I like sake. I'm not, I'm not a big, big fan. I've like tried it. it. I've tried it probably four times, and only one time it didn't make me gag. So <laughs> I'm, I just can't drink sake. I've tried it. <laughs> one out of four. Yep. One out of four. And I'm not sure what was going on that one time, but every other time it made me gag. I don't know why. Just you can't do it. I do want to try it again, but yeah. So that's the birth of sake. Again, recommendation. Didn't see any bad docs, unless there were a couple that I saw that I'm forgetting about. <laughs> you, you just erased them from your mind. Yeah, which is entirely possible. But let's talk about one that we both saw. Uh, which what do you, what do you want to start with? You want to do necktie youth? We can do necktie youth. You saw neckties. Yeah, I did. I I did see Necktie Youth last night, actually. Okay. So this is directed by yes. Sibs Shuangwi Lemur. Basically, this this movie is it's kids. It's, it's kind of like kids. It's a it's lot like a, kids. It's a lot like kids. Mixed with like a because I don't quite remember everything about kids, but it, it kind of mixed with like a Matthew Porterfield, Putty Hill type deal with the documentary crew. That. Yeah. yeah. Which, not everything works in this movie, because it's a bit all over the place. You know, you have, all, you, you have all these characters. <clears throat> yeah, like, they come and they go, and it's... It's like a mosaic, yeah. and then you have this documentary crew in there that, where they do sit-down, talking-head interviews, and you have all these little chapters, all these different characters, and some of them are... You know, there's connections between some, and then some of the connections are really, really faint. It's mm-hmm. just kind of this picture of Johannesburg, which shot in black and white, it, looks yeah. good. And then, you know, then yeah. you have some of that voiceover stuff where it's the pictures, and then there's uh-huh. the old footage that's in color. It's an interesting debut, I'll say that. It's got me it's excited little... to see what he does in the future. It's a little messy. It's a I'll bit say. messy. It could... I found it to be a little messy. It could use some... Some more focus. Because some of the... And obviously, when you're going to have all these little episodes with all these different characters, some are more captivating than others. Like, everything with Dabs in September, I thought was fantastic. Right. I yep, just, same here. I just wanted that to be the movie. And the director plays September, which I thought was the most interesting character. He had such a weird voice to me. I was like... Because he sounded... I don't know what... Very odd it's, voice. It, for whatever reason, it sounded like his accent just kept changing. Yeah, he sounded American, partially American. I don't know. It was it, it was weird. But I liked yeah everything with those two guys. I was into more into than the other characters. Yes, definitely. They're, they're which is good because it's ripping. we spend most of our time with those two guys. Yeah, and it's just kind of. Most of the film is kind of just sex and drugs, and there's it's not... ki- it's it's kids. And I mean, there's I, some, I felt there's the one character like uh, what are they on that? What's the playground with the spinning? What's that spinning thing called on the playgrounds? I don't know. You know, merry-go-round. I don't know, something like that. 
<laughs> where she's like laying on, you know, her and her boyfriend or whatever are laying on it, and they're talking about death and all that. Yeah, lots of deep conversations but, yeah, in this I mean, movie. Deep as in like as deep as a rain puddle. Right. Except as for deep de- as, except for as deep as a drug addled twenty something, early twenty something can except for can dabs do. in September. They when they when they get into it a little bit and it's not often but occasionally they do. And I think that they actually find something. They find some poignancy in what they're trying to say. And that's why for me that there there are sections where because they seem like fully developed characters. Right. Everyone right. else is you're just kind of like drop it in and you're just with them for a little bit and then you leave. And they're not really that gripping or interesting. Well, they're not. Characters. Yeah, they they don't. Look, the other characters don't af- appear as deep because all we see with a lot of the other characters is just like the surface level sex and drugs stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, very like shallow, self centered. That that was the other interesting thing. The the setting that this takes place, it's in South Africa, but it's in the kind of what I would what appears to be upper middle class suburbs. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the houses, like when they show their houses and stuff, they live in big houses. Oh my goodness, Dabs is a house. Yeah, my goodness. That was a, that was a surprise because normally movies like this, they're always kind of living in poor areas and slums and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see a movie take place in just regular suburbs. Yeah. And it's just mostly about people not connecting or unable to connect or really care about others in any way. Yeah. It's, I... it's interesting. It's a, Like I said, it's it's good for a debut in the sense that I'm really excited to see what he does moving forward. Yeah. There were, there were pieces of this that I liked quite a bit but I, I, it, it started it started losing me towards the end it, it did the same and then it brought me back with the end interestingly i also saw cronies last night oh, which was cronies. yeah which is a great companion piece to necktie youth because it's almost the exact same movie it's crazy really uh it's directed by michael larnell and it's shot in black and white it's about Two friends, well, three friends, really, uh, in St. Louis. It, it all takes place over the course of uh, one day. And this is, it's produced by, I don't know, produced or executive produced. Maybe executive produced by Spike Lee. And this one is, it's, I'm telling you, dude, Necktie, it's exactly like Necktie Youth. There's documentary segments in this where they talk <laughs> to the camera. But... <laughs> uh, it's I liked it way more than Necktie Youth. The only thing that brought it down was the the one one of the actors was very bad. The other guys were really good, and then one of them was very bad. And acting doesn't normally bring a movie down for me, but the, it, this this time it did. Which is but, that that's not good because I know that you overlook. Yeah, I overlook. You you acting. can overlook it didn't bring it down. a lot of terrible acting. I do. So it one, didn't bring it down a lot, but he, he, it was noticeably bad just because everybody else was good. So and then there's this one guy that kind of stuck out. Comparatively speaking. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, for you to say someone's bad, essentially that just makes me want to see it to see how bad this person is. He's he, Yeah, he's pretty, <laughs> pretty bad. I also think it's nice you won't say his name. No, I'm not going to say his name, but it's just... This one guy was bad. This is ba- so it's basically about these three friends that just go out and 
smoke pot and get into trouble and it's just uh i don't have a lot to say about it it's like necktie youth there's very little plot involved but uh it's it feels like it kind of feels like a kind of a classic 90s like boys in the hood sort of less dramatic than that sure but it's just kind of this slight film about uh three friends one of one of whom is like this tough talking gangster type where he has a grill and he tries to talk a big game but deep down he's just a he's a good friend he's just a good guy he's got that heart of gold yep now, my question to you, when you were watching Necktie Youth, were you like me that the, you know, almost the entire time you just kept thinking, what the fuck is flexing? Oh, you know what's funny? Because yeah. <laughs> September I, just keeps talking about flexing. Yeah, like, I... What um, the fuck does that mean? In, in my uh, letterbox, I didn't write a letterbox review for Necktie Youth, but I was going to write that. <laughs> I was, fl- was going to write, I was flexing so hard watching this movie. <laughs> But then I didn't because I'm not. I'm still not exactly sure what it is. But I, they they say that a lot in cronies too. Well, the thing so. is, is like I know flexing is like showing off, right? You know, like showing off, right? But, but the way that he says it, 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 like every way possible, and I'm just like, yeah. What is September's idea of flexing? Because it's sad. Like he's using it interchangeably for fucking. It almost sounds like at times, and then he even uses it when he's talking about like just chilling. He's like, yeah, I'm flexing. It's like, he, this guy just, like, everything it's is flexing. It's just an interchangeable, it's just interchangeable. You can use it, it's a verb that you can just use for anything. You, whatever you're doing, you can just, eh, I'm flexing. Just flex. Whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that at work all the time. Just see how it goes <laughs> over. Uh, Kevin, yeah. what, what do you got on your plate right now? Oh, I'm just flexing over there. Just flexing. Uh, the other thing about but I'll say about cronies that that made it a little bit different than Necktie Youth is that cronies had a bunch, had a decent amount of comedy thrown in there. Okay. Speaking of which, let's talk about some comedies. Let's get into comics. Tribeca. Let's, let's talk about applesauce. The applesauce. Since we, both, since we both saw that one. So this is, is uh, directed by owner Tuckle, who we're, we're big fans of this, of this guy. And this one, one. I, I liked it. I thought it was it was I don't know if I liked it more or less than Summer of Blood. Maybe maybe a little bit maybe about the same actually. Maybe a little bit less, but pretty much the same. I loved where this movie went. It was it was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I just just the reaction of people the entire time I'm like, you people need to be freaking out way more about what's happening here than you are. Because when he starts finding the body parts, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but <laughs> when he starts finding the body parts... No one's really interested I, in I, the I body feel parts like, outside yeah, of him. I feel like no one... People should be freaking out over this. Every, apparently, uh, just body... Severed limbs. It's just... It's a natural occurrence. So, Owner Tuckle plays this guy who... He listens to this talk radio show every evening and and the guy does this segment where you call in and basically divulge your the worst thing you've ever done and it, he gets into it with his his uh wife and then his best friend and his wife and he tells them the worst thing he's ever done which is cut off somebody's fingers and that kind of starts this avalanche of horrible things happening where 
the other couple, they kind of talk about the worst thing they've ever done. And that starts this whole big thing. And it just kind of snowballs and shit piles up. He starts <laughs> receiving random body parts. We don't know who's doing that. Well, it's, we probably do. Yeah, you you kind of know. I yeah. Which is funny, the way that he the handles that entire plot line is that it's kind of handled nonchalantly. Yeah. But it, just the yeah. fact that he plays a teacher, number one, Tuchel, which just the idea of him being a high school teacher is funny to me. And the fact that he's trying to tie in this narrative of what's the worst thing you've ever done and how you respond to it, that he ties it into him teaching high school students about empathy for whatever reason, choosing to use 9-11 yeah. as, as his jumping off point and the U.S. involvement in Iran for whatever reason. I don't know why he chooses, but he always makes terrible decisions. That's the, that's the fun times of watching movies by him. It's just always terrible decisions leading to terrible ends. And just the amount of throwaway lines and the bickering and the banter between everyone is just fantastic. And I love that his character, his Ron Welts character, the high school teacher, how he, the most trivial things that they discuss, he has such an elaborate thought process to him that you can tell that he just, he thinks about these things for entirely too long and he has them completely analyzed. (laughs) And then when it comes to like the big shit, He's just making it up, like, on the spot. Just 9-11, just making it up on the spot. But, the, you know, the ideas of why someone would say, I love you to each other. You know, he has, fucking like, a dissertation on it. Yeah. I thought that uh, Max Max Casella was, was great. <laughs> They're back and forth. It's just the delivery of him asking, asking Max Casella if he wants to order some finger food. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> it's the way that that's delivered. Uh, it's uh, it definitely it's definitely a movie that goes to some interesting places, goes to some dark places, sort of like Summer of Blood, where it's like a comedy, but it's got this kind of tinge of uh, almost a thriller vibe to it. And then it, and this... then it even come up, it kind of breaks occasionally, and it's like a relationship drama. Yeah, yeah, because this this revelation ends up hurting everybody's just marriages in in the process just destroying them what do you think about the the end uh, i don't want to give it away but just like the very what happens at the very end that was it's not it's not where i was expecting it to go i'll say that that was definitely surprised and i'm not I, I, i'm I, not I just, quite sure like i didn't mind it but it didn't really it, it didn't hook me i don't i just don't think that that character would do that and maybe it's just because he was completely broken by that point, but I don't know. It just didn't seem like something that he would do because of just how neurotic he is about things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, but I don't quite see it. it, I don't, it didn't not quite I mean, find it either that he would, that that's that's what he would end up doing. Yeah, it didn't necessarily bring the movie down for me or anything, but yeah. but it, it just I love that his paranoia makes him start thinking that everyone like everyone's a suspect yeah, everyone is like sending a student him. and yeah <laughs> everyone's sending him penises in his chinese food it's like what do you have in your book bag it seems kind of heavy she says books <laughs> when do you start carrying books in your book bag <laughs> what kind of person pees on a puppy 
Oh my god. The fact that she gets so so upset. So upset and, and, about him peeing on a puppy. And demands details in the logistics of how he did it. <laughs> like would it just stand still? <laughs> it would it would run one way, we would spray piss on it, and then it would run another way, we would spray piss on it. <laughs> Peed on a <the> puppy. <laughs> It's just, oh, <laughs> out of everything that everyone's done, you know, the worst thing that, they, that they've done, everyone seems to be hung, on, hung up on that one as being the worst. Yeah, which is funny, because that's probably how it would end up in real life. Yeah, it's just, so, for me, Tuchel, is, it's always a good time. I mean, they're not, yeah. they might not be the, you know, the most uh, complex films that you're going to see, but man, they're just always, it's always a fun time. Yeah, it's like a fun. It's like a funnier version of a Joe Swanberg movie or something. A much funnier, much much funnier version. Speaking of teachers, let's talk about tenured. Oh, nice too, segue. Right? Yeah, nailed it. I got, Your segue you know, I got, game is tight today. I know. It's I got tight. segues for days. I got segues for days. Your mic game is. That's been shaky lately. Uh, yeah, but the Segway uh, I, for, game I forgot. I forgot to mention that at the top of the show. If you listened to last week's Ryan watches movie, I apologize. My mic wasn't cooperating. So hopefully today it is. So tenured. This is directed by Chris Maduno, and it's about a. Uh, it's basically it's similar to the movie Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz. Only at least to me, a much 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 funnier version. Uh, I thought this movie was hilarious. I haven't, I haven't seen Bad Teacher, but I, I would imagine that you're right that this is this, funnier. Yeah, it's adapted from a short film that that he also made called Teacher of the Year, which also starred uh, Gil Zabarski, who plays the the main teacher. He's this one. He's a, actually a fifth grade teacher who he has tenure, which I didn't even know you could get tenure in elementary school, being an ele- elementary school teacher, but. He has it in this in this movie. You can. He has it, and he's his wife leaves him, and let's just say he doesn't take it well. He does, and not, it no. it basically crushes him, and he no longer has the will to do anything. teach or do do anything really. Yeah, nothing. He's done. What'd you th- What'd you think of this one? Except getting a tattoo, maybe. He had enough <laughs> motivation to get a tattoo. A giant tattoo on his forearm. <laughs> uh, for the most part, I enjoyed this one. I thought it was pretty funny. I, I think it took it took a while to to settle in to its rhythms because right off the bat, for like maybe like the first ten minutes or so, ten fifteen minutes, it's it just it didn't settle in. It was it was kind of it was kind of choppy. Some choppy waters there at the beginning, <laughs> but once it kind of settled into it. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was mostly because of of the main performance of Mister Mister Collins, the fifth grade teacher. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was fantastic. The kids too. The kids really oh, yeah. they really brought it. Um, and once the once it gets into him um, staging the play, I thought that that that's where it really picked up. And there were some some aspects of it that I don't really think worked all that well, especially um, Willie. Yes. the assistant uh, uh, yeah. whatever I was just going to say there were yeah there were aspects of this that go into kind of goofball territory and they don't necessarily fit 
with the rest of the movie. And I think that Willie was definitely one of those. And just the, uh, how the assistant principal would, would scheme and stuff. It seemed, it felt almost like a Ferris Bueller type thing where she was, she was doing everything she could to get this guy. Yeah. And then it would hit the Willie character. Just everything felt so forced. Yeah, Which is, he like everything, moving. like everything had a nice rhythm to it. It's you know, it's it's fun, it's light, and then you know those aspects would show up and just kind of derail. Yeah, like none of that stuff was funny, and he, truthfully, he didn't even need to be in the movie no, at all. No, because I'm wondering why does an assistant principal at an elementary school have an assistant like that? And then it you know it takes this turn towards the end where they try and this running gag of no one knows who he is. And it's like, well, he's been right. there the entire fucking movie. And it seems like he's been working there for a long time. And this is not funny. Why is this a running joke? Yeah, yeah. I'm, None of that was working get, for Yeah, me, you're but... getting nothing out of this. Will you please stop? I think one of the funniest scenes, and it's not, I'm not giving anything away by saying this. There's a scene involved with one of the children who, he. it's kind of like his rival. Uh, it's, it's like his nemesis. And he, there's a scene involving a tape recorder and just what he writes on the whiteboard when, when they cut to it. I just started laughing. Oh, my God. Uh, that whole... I love his relationship with that kid. Yeah, with Trevor. It was fantastic. And Trevor's performance is fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah. That kid did a great, great job. He was really funny. I loved just... He didn't even bother trying to hide it. He just put the, the giant kid tape recorder on the desk. <laughs> and now he holds it out. And he was holding it out, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was that was really funny. So, Tenured, recommend that one. Uh, as far as other comedies, The Overnight was one that I liked quite a bit. That was the one with uh, Adam Scott and Jason Schwartzman. Oh, okay. I didn't even hear about this one. Yeah, so ba- <laughs> it's it's right up your alley, trust me. <laughs> so basically, it's about uh, this couple, Adam Scott and Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black. They just moved to L.A., and they have a, a young kid, and they don't really know anybody. They're looking to make friends, but they don't exactly know how to go about making friends. So they take their kid to this birthday party at a park, and they end up meeting Jason Schwartzman, and he invites the two of them and, and their son over for pizza at, at their house. And so they go over there and the kids have fun and they're they're kind of mingling and becoming friends. And Jason Schwartzman suggests that they just let their, their son fall asleep because it was kind of his bedtime. And let him fall asleep there and they, that way they can have some drinks and talk some more. And as the night goes on the things start to get a little bit weird with with them now normally you think oh there's probably some kind of weird swingers thing happening here and that's not exactly where it goes it it goes in some pretty bizarre directions uh really funny very awkward so if you're a fan of awkward comedy this one is is definitely one to check out Jason Schwartzman is really funny. He plays a kind of an entrepreneur. He's into water filtration. Okay. He's a he's an expert in water filtration, and he creates a water treatment system that converts sewage into clean, drinkable water. All right. Yeah. But he's also an amateur painter. 
who enjoys painting buttholes. Gotcha. So there's that. Gotcha. Yeah. So this, it's very. It's I would call it a dark it's odd subject. It, it, it's pretty dark. It goes to some pretty dark places, and it's just not quite what you would expect. It's it's pretty pretty bizarre. Huh. So I would. Uh, Highly recommend seeking this out. This did get picked up. I believe The Orchard picked this up as well. And this is coming out in June. So it will be out relatively soon. It's directed by Patrick Bryce. And again, it's called The Overnight. I don't think I really saw any other comedies. That's a shame. I did see Misery Loves Comedy, which is a documentary I forgot to mention, which is uh, directed by... um, See, there's that uh, documentary you forgot about. Yeah. I knew I knew there was one. It was directed by Kevin Pollock, and it just kind of explores the the psychology of the stand-up comic, and it's pretty interesting. It's a little it's a little messy in its structure because it kind of hops all over the place as far as topics, yeah. and it just mixes everything together. And it's I don't know. It's just a little messy. It was fine though. It was funny. There's a ton of people in this. Like he gets everybody involved in this john favreau kevin smith martin short jimmy fallon christopher guest janine garofalo judd apatow steven merchant well i mean the list goes on and on so if you're a fan of stand-up comedy and you like to learn about stand-up comedy yeah, seek it out it's, it's a very light watch i would say i i feel like they don't delve that deeply into why uh, comedians are often so tortured. It kind of sounds like it doesn't have much to say. No, not really. They they don't really go. They don't really start exploring it until later on, and it's just I don't know. It didn't really gel with me. I felt like it was just an excuse for Kevin Pollock to round up all of his friends and just talk about comedy. Yeah, sounds like a like a fluff documentary. It is, yeah. It's it's very much a fluff documentary. Uh, Stung. I saw Stung. That's a horror comedy of sorts. I had fun with this, this one. Giant bees. It's wasps. Giant wasps. Yeah. Fantastic. It's worth seeing just for Clifton Collins Jr. and Lance Hendrickson because they they play two completely ridiculous cartoon characters in this. There's nothing more terrifying than giant wasps. And they're huge. Because the are funny huge. thing is, there's nothing more terrifying than wasp, except for giant wasp. Yeah, that's it. Like they took my nightmare and then just made it worse. I yeah. will not be seeing so, this. So it's about a garden party that gets invaded by a swarm of giant killer wasps that they lay eggs no, inside sh- of you. Shut, shut your face! Shut your face! <laughs> the, this is they lay this eggs inside of you and terrible. then burst out of this you. This sounds terrible. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this. This sounds <laughs> terrifying. I will not watch this. It's fun. It's it's. Uh, I like movies like this. I like <laughs> creature features. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I would compare it to Piranha 3D or Slither, mm-hmm. something like that, where it's just kind of a just a fun like. It, it's less exploitative than Piranha 3D, um, oh. but. Yeah, it's it's a fun fun little watch. I think that got picked up by IFC Midnight, so that'll be out probably on VOD and in theaters. I keep doing I keep I keep doing little shakes, little shimmies. 
It's kind of grossed out. Thinking, and thinking of wasp. Segwaying that from comedy into oh, horror. Oh, please. How did you do it? I saw all but one of the Midnight movies, which there was only like five Midnight movies at this year's festival. So I saw... Probably, there were two that I liked a whole lot. One, the first was Sherso Diabolico, which is directed by uh, Adrian Garcia Bugliano. Oh, okay, okay. Who we interviewed. Yeah, yeah. He did Here Comes the Devil, and he did Late Phases. Now, I know you weren't a fan of Here Comes the Devil, and you... Did you hate Late Phases, or did yeah. you just not like it? I, it was all right. Let's see, the, some things really worked in that movie, but... It seemed it seemed like he had something. He he just missed an opportunity. I find that with this director, his movies aren't the best, but he always tries interesting and unique things. Yeah, it's just and it's just it's like you're waiting for the the planets to align with him. Right, and I feel like this one, sure so diabolico. This is the closest he's gotten to to really hitting it hitting the nail on the head for me. So this is a, I also like how he, he loves, he seems to love making horror movies, but he, he mixes it up. Like he, he does like, he'll do a supernatural horror movie. And he does a werewolf movie. And this is more of a, a thriller. So it's about a guy who is, uh, and I can't really give a lot away cause this is one that you have to go into cold, but it's about a guy who just life is beating down on him. His wife doesn't respect him and she's just horrible. She treats him horribly. Uh, he's not going anywhere with his job, even though he's the all-star and his, his boss doesn't respect him and isn't giving him the overtime that he actually worked. He's not paying him for it and he's not making enough money. So he hatches this, this scheme to try to, to get everything he wants. Yeah. And, and, and everything that he thinks he deserves. Ooh. I'll say, I'll tell you that it, it does it involves kidnapping, but the way that the film is structured, you don't know what he's planning. You just see him planning for it. Like you see him writing down a list of things and then you see him timing things and you never, you don't know how this is all going to come together. Like they just randomly show him visiting his father in his, uh, his father has uh, like Alzheimer's or dementia and he's visiting his father and he chokes his father out and he times it. And you're like, what? Why? Why did he do that? Like he's planning on something. here. He's, t- he's testing something and you, n- you never really know where it's going. And then when you finally f- figure out what he's doing, it's it's uh, all the more interesting. And there is a twist that occurs at the very end of this movie that no one will see coming and is complete like so shocking uh-uh. that i was blown away i was like oh my oh my god and i think for some people this this big twist it is not gonna work but it really it really worked for me and uh yeah i quite liked this movie a lot and i highly <laughs> recommend checking it out not getting not, not a lot of people are talking about it. i don't know if a lot of people saw it at the festival or what but hmm. uh yeah i I definitely recommend it. I don't know what kind of distribution this is going to get because it's very uh, disturbing and it's, it's kind of a comedy too. Everything is played very comedically. Yeah. And I could see that turning off some people. Um, I met up with 
Gemma from Letterboxd. She she works for Letterboxd. And I, I had coffee with her. And we both went to see this movie. And she ended up having to walk out towards the end. So it's uh, definitely not for everyone. But, yeah, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, another one that I liked a lot was Emily. This is a... It, it's kind of... I feel like we've been having a lot of really great indie horror releases recently with like it follows and spring and a girl walks home alone at night. And I would, I would probably lump this in with those. It's uh it's kind of an interesting twist on a thriller where normally in horror movies, you have the babysitter being terrorized by some, you know, unknown force or whatever. Yeah. And in this movie, it's, the opposite it's the babysitter that is the person doing the terrorizing oh boy and you don't know why and you don't really know what's going on all you know is there's a new babysitter you're pretty sure she's not who she says she is and she does she starts acting very weird and doing some really fucked up things with these kids and uh this is worth seeing because the children, there's there's three kids in this, very young kids, and they all do such a fantastic job. These kids just nailed it. Hmm. Even though they had to do some pretty serious things, uh, they just they did such a fantastic job. Sounds, and this is another this is another movie where I can't really talk a lot about yeah, the plot. It, sa- it sounds interesting. Yeah, I would uh I would recommend it. I think that you'll You'll like this one. Towards the end, it does go into typical horror movie uh, territory, but it's not enough to really bring it down for me. So, Emily, I don't know what the situation, the distribution is with that one. That's probably going to be another tough sell just because of a lot of very adult things happening to very young children in it. Gotcha. It It's, again, that, that one goes pretty to some pretty dark places as well. So, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, were there? Did you see any other ones, or did we already? We, did we, we talk have about we have ones? one last one to talk about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. So, we both saw Virgin Mountain, which uh, that picked up best best actor for Gunnar Johnson, Johnson probably. Uh, it picked up best narrative feature. And it picked up, was it screenplay? Yeah, best screenplay. Best screenplay as well. So it kind of kind of swept the awards. It won everything this, almost. This this is directed by Degur Kari. And I, I do have a synopsis here. Like a young bird yet to find the courage to lift its wings, <laughs> Fusi, 43, lives alone with his mother where they've always lived. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of synopsis is that? Damn kind of encapsulates everything though it does it does uh, this was one of the very first movies i saw at the festival and uh after seeing it i was like man if if they're all gonna be like this i am i'm excited because i thought this movie was great uh, i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i didn't think it was great i didn't think it was anything special i liked it a lot i i just liked i liked the character of fusi like i thought that he was just a a, a lovable a lovable guy. I, I thought it was interesting how he, the thing that I thought was interesting was his relationship with the young girl that lived in his building. Yeah. Because any normal 
grown man would immediately be like, that's a red flag. I'm not going, going near that. But in his world, you know, there's, there's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with inviting, uh, little girl over to your house to play yeah you know well, there's there's not like a there's not one ounce of malice in his body whatsoever right in that giant frame of his so i don't even think he knows what malice is i don't even know if he yeah, could recognize just, it which he, he's just a sweet guy he gets he gets bullied a little bit a little bit of bullying at work he yeah, he gets bullied but takes his lumps it like doesn't even f- it doesn't even phase him. Like he doesn't even. Nah, he just. I think he's so used to it because I'm sure that that's happened throughout his uh, throughout his life. I don't know. Just to me, there was just it was a bit too thin for me. Just wasn't much going on. Just dragged out and kind of hit all the beats that I figured it was going to hit. And it kind of got a bit. Some of the developments towards the end were just. A, I don't know. They didn't seem realistic to me. I wasn't buying them. Wasn't buying in with some of the decisions well, that he makes, um, the way some of the things work out. That didn't. I, that didn't really. That didn't really bother me. I, I, I do. I guess I could see that. I just. Yeah. It's one of those things where it, it. It feels like I've seen this movie before. You know, where you have this guy who's really shy and he just. He's not. He doesn't know how to interact with people, and you know he's. He doesn't have any luck with the ladies, and obviously, right off the bat, you're rooting for this guy because he's so nice. And I just it it felt all too familiar for me. You know, it just well, it kind of followed what most of those films I like do. The, I like the more what I at least consider to be nuanced things about this movie, like the fact that yes, of course, there's a love story in it. You know, like that that's expected. But I, I the thing that I liked about this is how. Just him meeting this woman, just just the fact that he met this woman one night and they kind of hit it off a little bit, how that completely changed everything about his life. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like a switch, you know? Like, it, it made him decide, like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I could travel somewhere else in the world. And it kind of just opened up the world I, to him. I mean, I did like, I did enjoy... Like you said, I like the little nuances to it, and <clears throat> I like the little the shift that takes place when you know he goes back to her home and essentially breaks mm-hmm. in, and where that yeah. went. I thought that that was a bit different, and I thought that that was actually a pretty accurate description of depression, an accurate accurate portrayal. Yeah, of what happens but, there? But also, where the relationship goes is not anything typical of these types of movies either. I mean, it doesn't doesn't turn out the way you expect. No, but just his reaction to it was, I don't know. I don't know. It just wasn't completely buying it. What, it, what you know, what he decides to do at the end. I kind of, I liked it. I liked that. I thought the final shot looked really, I, I thought the final shot was very poignant of, you know, at the, I don't, I don't want to say what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, 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 liked, I liked it. it. I, I liked it. I like, I like the director, like, well, Drew Carey. But I, I don't know. I just thought it was lacking a little bit. I gave it a seven and a half in my review. What? Uh, let's let's score some of these. We didn't really score any let's of score. these. What, score. Score uh, all. What are you gonna give Virgin Mountain out of ten? I give Virgin Mountain. I say like a six and a half. Okay. A six and a half. Now, now what about Necktie Youth? What are you gonna give Ooh, that out of ten? That's a tough one. Uh, 
I'm going to say a seven. I'm going to give that one a six. Okay. All right. And what about tenured? I gave that a, I gave that a seven actually. Did I? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave it a seven. That's another one. Uh, I think I might go seven there. Seven, like six and a half, seven, like a, like a 6.75. And what about apple, applesauce? What are you going to give that? Applesauce. I'm going to give that a seven and a half. I'm also going to give applesauce seven and a half. Uh, you can, for most of the other movies that I talked about, you can check out. I wrote reviews for a ton of these, so you can see my scores on all the other he ones. He wrote so many reviews. So many. I wrote one. I helped out so much. Like, you wouldn't have been able to do Tribeca <laughs> without me. Uh, it would have been a complete couple other disaster. Ones. Let's just be honest. I will, I'll, I'll mention a couple other ones. Um... The Survivalist. That was an interesting one. That was a. Did you a, see that one? Kind of. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm I'm kind of excited for this one. Post-apocalyptic, uh, <laughs> very dire. I mean, this movie. Ooh, I think I said it was the feel-bad movie of the year. This movie is tough. Is it? It is. It will beat you down. What? What? what and spit on you, oh, and then pee on holy you. Holy shit! Is it worse than the road? Yes. Wow. Yes, it is. It is worse than the road. Wow. It's, um, okay. I think, in fact, my opening, in my review, I wrote in my opening paragraph, if you, if you thought John Hillcoat's post-apocalyptic drama, The Road, was a little too upbeat and light, then Stephen Fingleton's feature debut, The Survivalist, is right up your alley. Oh, boy. I don't know if I'll be able to handle that. It's, it's very rough, mm. let me tell you. Uh, another rough one was Sunrise. This is an Indian film. This one you might be interested in just because of it's very it's it's really weird how it's uh how it's put together so it's basically a thriller about a a detective whose daughter gets kidnapped and he uh is investigating it but the thing about the movie is you never know what's real and what is him fantasizing or dreaming oh okay so like it jumps it jumps around in time it repeats things it, it so basically the the point of the film is to go through like or imagine or, or visualize what it would be all the thoughts that go through your head when you lose a child like that or when a child gets abducted or what have you <clears throat> so it's a very interesting take on that mm-hmm. i don't know if i I could recommend it because it is that's another one that's really that's a really tough one uh some movies that i didn't like too much good kill yeah i haven't ethan i Hawk. haven't been hearing good things about that yeah it's uh you would probably absolutely hate it it's directed by andrew nickel the guy that did uh lord of war and gattaca sure uh that one yeah no it's just it's so heavy-handed and cliched and the script is awful and Nothing about that is is good. Uh, Maggie, this is this was an interesting one. Yeah. This is so. This is this is so weird. This movie, directed by Henry Hobson. This is his, this guy's first movie, I believe. Stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and Abigail Breslin. It's a zombie movie, but the, it's it's not a typical zombie movie at all. It's basically a family drama about. Arnold taking care of his daughter as she turns into a zombie, as she, as she becomes an undead 
creature. Gotcha. So he's and, he's like he's still committed to the whole parenting thing, even with that transition. Um, not not really. No, he's just he's just kind of spending time with her in her last days. Okay, I gotcha. As, gotcha. A, as a human, gotcha. It's quite sad, actually, which was really surprising to me that there are parts of this that are deeply sad, and, and it actually works. Like Arnold does a pretty decent job in this movie. He cries a lot. Not a lot, but several times he cries, and it's believable. Like, he he sells it. Hmm. Uh, certainly his best role since coming back to acting. But there were... And this, this movie's going to work for a lot of people, I think. This is a really polarizing movie, or I think it will be a polarizing movie. I think it's going to work for a lot of people, and it is n- going to miss horribly for a lot of people because this looks like a freaking Terrence Malick movie. It is... I mean, down to there's a scene where Arnold is slowly walking through a field of tall grass Mm -hmm. and and allowing the the grass to flow through his hands. Oh, fantastic! It's it. Oh boy! Obviously, my follow up question has to be: Is there poetry? No, there's not. There's not really none of that voiceover. It doesn't go that. It doesn't go that far. I don't think there's any voice. Actually, you know what? There is. Huh. Abigail Breslin. It's not by Arnold. <laughs> I think that'd be that really funny. That would have been the best. I mean, if you're going to use it, you got to use Arnold. That would have been amazing. There's a little voiceover from Abigail Breslin, but if I remember correctly, it's like her writing her dad a letter. It's just at the beginning to kind of set up the movie, which uh, another problem with this movie is it's very heavy on exposition. Like a lot of people have conversations that feel like they should just be staring at us in the audience when having them because, and I, I kind of get it. I mean, they have to lay out the, this world, you know, Yeah, but that's just bad writing. Like people can lay out a world without having to just spoon feed. I feel like they could have, yeah, I feel like they could have done it more elegantly. And so that didn't work, but it's, it's an interesting, it's kind of an odd duck. This movie, it's, very little action, very little horror elements. It is mostly just them dealing with, you know, this situation. I think in my review I said it, the zombie thing could have easily been replaced with any other terminal illness, like cancer or whatever. Yeah. And it would have been pretty much the same. Yeah. It's just so, kind of, it almost feels like they're using that as the hook because they know that people that are into zombie films are just, they're going to see it no matter what. Because it's a zombie movie. Well, one of the things that he struggles with throughout the whole movie is what to do once it gets to the the end stage. Yeah. You know, like right before she's about to turn. And he has some options. Like he can send her to quarantine. He can shoot her himself. Or he can uh, he gets a hold of this like kind of cocktail of drugs that they inject people with at, at the quarantine zone to kill them. So it's uh, almost like a right so- to die type. Yeah, so he's kind of struggling with how he wants to do it, if he can do it, like if if he has the ability to kill his own daughter. And the way that they turn in this movie is a little bit different than other zombie movies. It's very slow. Like it takes weeks for them to turn. So it's a very slow, grueling, horrible process. Gotcha. So it's, I, I don't know, it's tough to recommend i wasn't buying into most of the aesthetic of this movie and i thought that some of it was overly dramatic and a little ham-fisted but um mm, it's 
it's worth maybe giving it a look. Uh, it's coming out soon, I think. I think it comes out in just a couple weeks. Hmm. So, hmm. or maybe even one week. Oh boy. I, I think it's pretty soon. Um, that's pretty much it. Lucifer. I imagine you'll see that at some point, so I'll hold off on my comments about that. Right, I will. I'll be watching this soon. Um, and that yeah, that pretty much wraps Did it you, up. I, I have one of, question because there's a there's uh-huh. a movie that I kind of excited to see i don't know if you saw it did you see men go to battle uh no ah. no the uh caitlin shield mm-hmm. one no i didn't see that one there were a number on my list that i just that i missed that was one of them the snl doc i decided to not see that just because i think that's coming out relatively soon yeah there were some other ones here and there that uh yeah, I just missed out on it's. It's tough. I mean, I saw twenty eight of them, but there were still, still plenty still other ones things. that I didn't see. Mm. Overall, I would say it was a decent festival. There was this whole uh, VR like Tribeca interactive thing that they added this year. That was it was okay. It wasn't great. They they they're headquartered in a brand new building that literally opened. I think the day of the festival. Because I went a couple days ahead of time to pick up my credentials, and they were in a temporary space still. So, hmm. uh, the building looks nice. It's huge. It's really big. Um, but it was uh, pretty good overall. Saw Whoopi Goldberg. You and Whoopi Goldberg hang out? Yeah, we hung out. Getting some coffee and whatnot. She was uh, coming down an escalator, and I was at the bottom of the escalator looking. I don't remember what I was doing. Looking at my schedule or my phone or something, and please tell me you were in her way. No, I wasn't. Uh-huh. I, I I was not in her way, but yeah. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Now we we didn't record last week, so we don't have anything to go over. Next week, really, the only thing coming out is Age of Ultron. That comes out next uh, week, th- huh? Oh, yeah. Boy. This has a seventy nine percent currently on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, what are you thinking on this? Currently has a what now? It, it has a 79. The Yeah, I'm not hearing great things about this. Yeah, it seems like it's... Uh, from what I'm reading, just, I'm trying... I figured it was going to be just more of the same. I heard that it's that it's a little darker. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. I'm trying to avoid reviews on this one until I see it. <laughs> but... I'm still excited for it. I'm gonna. I think that it'll. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll be a, a seventy seventy two. Okay. I will say seventy six right. on that. All right. All right. In limited release next week, we have Far from the Maddening Crowd. Did you see any trailers for this? I did. My wife is. <laughs> is... My wife is super excited for. Or I think she's really excited for this one. Could be wrong. I just think it's so funny to to see uh matthias schwonarts or whatever Mm -hmm. go from all of these like beefy roles to this uh period piece love story (laughs) i don't know i think it's switching up man it's thomas vinterberg though that's the thing that has me interested vinterberg doing a thomas hardy like that just none of that makes sense to me i'm not i've seen the trailer for this several times because one of the one of the theaters that I go to around here is getting it and they were playing trailers for it 
ahead of every one of their movies. And I got to say, I'm not. No, this no. Movie. I mean, the, the, the storyline here, the, I'm just, I'm not interested in any of that. But just the idea of Thomas Pinterberg doing a movie of this type has me interested. It has me very mildly interested. I don't think I'll be seeing it in the theater. I mean, I may check it out when it hits VOD or whatever, but eh, I don't know. Uh, we also have Ride, which is the Helen Hunt one. Actually, Ernie, we sent Ernie to uh, interview Helen Hunt yesterday, so we should have a interview f- with her up very soon on the site. All right. I'm not... Uh, <laughs> oh, it's di- yeah, oh, it's know. written and directed by Helen Hunt. Yeah, she she wrote it and directed it, and she stars in it too. So it's a surfing movie where she like it's, a, it's, it's with her and Luke Wilson. None of that makes any sense. All the stuff that you just said, I don't know if I believe. Her, I don't know if I her, believe it. I think you're making it up. She's trying to she's trying to reconnect with her son through surfing because he's into surfing, and then she decides to take lessons from Luke Wilson, and then she falls in love with him. I think and. It doesn't look very good to me, but to me, whatever. it sounds like I can map that movie out without yeah. seeing it. I think I think what I just said pretty <laughs> much mapped out the entire movie. So, uh, we also have. Go ahead. I was gonna say I'm sure they learn life lessons. Like, just there's probably so many life lessons it, getting thrown around if, in that movie. The twist is gonna be probably Helen Hunt's gonna learn a little bit more than she expected. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Mm. Hyena also comes out i saw that at tribeca actually it's uh this is available on vod right now it's a crime thriller british crime thriller okay i i wasn't too keen on it honestly it was a little the characters are all so irredeemable and terrible that you just you don't care what happens to any of them because they're just awful it's about oh, it's crooked cops oh shit it's the guy that did tony yeah yes yeah, the guy t- it looks great uh, it's got some exciting action in it, All right. but it's meh. It's decent, but it's nothing special. Yeah. Uh, reality, the new Quentin Dupio movie. You just, that... you just wet your goddamn pants, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably be reviewing that next week if you decide that you want to see it. Um, that comes out on VOD. It comes out in New York. So if you're in New York, I think it's playing at the IFC Center. Okay. Uh, Welcome to me, the Kristen Wiig one. What do you think about that one? Uh, I think I'm interested in this one. Or not. It's the one where she she's like mentally ill and she wins the lottery and gets a game and decides to start her own talk show. Okay. Sounds interesting. Mild, I'm very mildly interested in that one. And then... Uh, any day, which I'm not sure what that is. Any day. I'm always wary of these, you know, these generic titles. Generic sounding titles. Yeah, yeah. just any day. Sean Bean, Kate Walsh, Ava Longoria. Mm. Yep, nope, nope. <laughs> Next week on VOD, we have a ride. The party is over, which is a comedy with the one guy from SNL, Kyle Mooney. Okay. I like him a lot, actually. I think he's really funny. I'm a fan of Kyle Mooney. And a horror movie called Private Number. Okay. All right. I don't know anything about that one. <laughs> DVD and Blu-ray next week. We have Appropriate Behavior. Recommend that if you haven't seen it yet. That took a while. That's still on my top ten, I think. Maybe. I think it's. I think it's still in mine too. Maybe. Always Woodstock. 
Are you kidding? Me? What? <laughs> oh, that one took. That one did take forever to come out. Was... I'd say avoid that. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. That was one of my yeah. probably my number one hated movie of the year last year. <laughs> oh boy, the barber. I saw this. I didn't talk about it on the show. It's a pretty generic serial killer thriller. It's got some slightly interesting twists in it, but pretty pretty average, pretty vanilla. Mm-hmm. The Boy Next Door, that's the one with Jennifer Lopez that I heard is awful, so I'll probably avoid that one. The Gambler, that's the one, that's the remake with Mark Wahlberg. Had no interest mm-hmm. and didn't see it, so I don't know. Nope. Inherent Vice... Yeah, yes. would absolutely check that out if you haven't seen it yet. Yes, yes. Paddington. Surprisingly, I heard Paddington was really good. It got really, really good reviews, so I'll probably be looking at that one. You check it out? Yeah. I look forward to seeing what you have to think on Paddington. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to turn on like my, my kid brain. Because it seems like, you know, with a lot of these Pixar movies and, and things, it's easy to like them as an adult because of the because they throw in a lot of kind of adult humor yeah they throw in like universally funny things but the Paddington kind of looks like a straight kids movie yeah what but the thing about it is it it got such good reviews that's what has me slightly interested I mean normally I don't even give movies like that a second glance because they always they're always the same there's just nothing but like slapstick humor just go to the park and CG pick up a kid and go watch it see what he thinks like you... we'll see how that goes <laughs> good old park and pick up a kid <laughs> i think you can do that right you can't like rent kids uh, yeah. yet no you rent kids problem yeah i don't see why not <laughs> there's a park right behind my apartment I'll go just grab a kid just walk out but hey you want to go see Pattinson? uh we also have the wedding ringer okay yeah that's the Kevin Hart one. I'd probably avoid that. Nah. Heard it was pretty bad. And Mommy. Oh, Mommy's finally coming out. All right. Yeah. So you should probably get around to watching that. Yeah, probably should. Probably should. I'm just... I'm Criterion's... He, he's, he's a tough one to be in the right mood. So, well, yeah, you know that's I mean? the thing. Like, I've I've been meaning to, to rewatch Mommy, and I haven't been in the right mind space to do it. It it does require a time commitment. There's and the time also commitment. It's very, you know you're going to be. It's it, going to be a. Roller, it's an emotional roller coaster yeah. type deal. And it's just. It's going to. It's an emotional commitment to. So. It, it, his films are always kind of draining, emotionally draining. Yes. Just yes. like mommy is. It is. <laughs> I don't know if so. I'm ready for that for two hours. I'm kind of feeling good right now. I want to keep that going. But yeah. we have two criterions. Um, underrated American. Crime drama, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, getting the Blu-ray treatment. This is from 1973, from Peter Yates. Fantastic performance from Robert Mitchum. I actually saw this a long time ago, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's completely different than, you know, kind of what you would expect from a crime Mm. drama. Uh, I think it's probably about time to revisit that one. So I would suggest that. What's the name again? The Friends of Eddie Coyle. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then we have Jean-Pierre Melville's the Science de l'Amour from 1949. I guess this is this is one of his early ones, getting the old Blu-ray treatment. And it's Melville, so more than likely it's good. Yep. All right. I think that that will wrap it up for the week. Be sure to send us your questions. Podcastfilmpulse.net is the address. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash FilmPulse. And sus- consider subscribing for as little as $1 a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.